And of course, for all my listeners in the Georgia area, you can come out to Booch Fest at the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. Located at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. The next two shows will be Thursday, December 8th and Thursday, December 22nd. The show will be hosted by me, and it will feature some of the funniest comics the Atlanta comedy scene has to offer. Some have been doing it for years, some who are relatively new, and some who may even be stepping on a comedy stage for the very first time. All comedy acts, no matter how long they've been performing, are welcome to be in this show. So come on down for a great night of comedy as the Booch is taking over Kennesaw. And on December 10th, Combat Pro Wrestling presents Seasons Beatings at Eastside High School, located at 1300 Brushy Creek Drive, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 1300 Brushy Creek Road, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. I, of course, will be the ring announcer for this event, and the show will be featuring special guest general manager, WWE Hall of Famer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also scheduled to appear are the Cowboy James Storm, the legendary Barbarian, the Greater Good, Garrett Sinclair, Forever Young, Devin Cruz, from AEW, Griff Garrison, the Russian Wolf, Neil Koloff, from Tosh.0, Dave Wills. It's still real to me, damn it! The All-American Blue Chipper, Chase Emery. Buckshot, Brian Brock. NWA Tag Team Champions and NWA United States Tag Team Champions. The Heat Seekers. Born Scum, Chase Lovelace. Stan the Man Lee. From AEW Dark and Friday Night SmackDown, Marcus Cross. Outlaw, Randy Wayne. From AEW Dark, The Brolick, Tyson Maddox, The Gimmick Destroyer, Dave Stage, and many, many more stars. Be sure to follow them on social media via Facebook at Combat Pro Wrestling, Twitter at Real Combat Pro, and on Instagram at Combat underscore Pro underscore Wrestling. To find out more information on superstars that will be added and when the tickets will be on sale. I am so excited to be part of this show. I look forward to ring announcing and I also look forward to seeing all of you in Taylor, South Carolina. As we do a benefit show for the Eastside High School weightlifting department. So come on out for a great show and let's help the students of Eastside High make some motherfucking Games.
feel the hate you place inside I need to get your voice out of my head Cause I'm the guy you'll never find I think you know all of the rules There's no expressions on your face I hope that someday you will let me go What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW Full Gear 2022. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on the Boochcast, he's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Yep. And now he just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Boochcast, the one, the only, the broke, soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? Do that. This is me, the broke, soulless ginger, Zach Scott. I'm not back bro- that broke. Yeah. And for the first time in a long time, I am proud to say, oh, here we go. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here for Full Gear, which took place this past Saturday. And it was an impressive pay-per-view. I didn't I didn't know I would, what to expect here. Me neither. Well, I expect it's gonna suck. There were there were parts I thought were gonna suck too. Um but we were there there were some impressive moments, and we're gonna we're gonna start this off, ladies and gentlemen, with our first official match of the evening. Evening. I'm surprised this opened the show. Um, Same here. We have a steel cage match 
Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Luchasaurus with Christian Cage. This is the definition there, folks, of David versus fucking Goliath. This right here was a fantastic opening match. At first, when I saw Luchasaurus come down the ring, the Jungle Boy came down the ring. This is going to be a slaughterhouse. The first part it was. Jungle Boy took an ass kicking. He was bleeding. He, uh, Luchasaurus was, was fucking him up. And then Jungle Perry got the upper hand. He got that drilling pumping and started beating his ass. And then, lo and behold, for some strange reason. Oh, I also forgot. Christy Cage got banned from, from ringside for opening the cage. Is Christy Cage know in AEW that Luchasaurus can't win by escaping the cage? Well, he, here's the thing. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up. This was a interesting cage match, and it goes to something that Gator and I have had a heavy debate on. Um, and then I'm gonna say this real quick, Zach, and then you can get back to finishing your thoughts. Um, at most of the time in today's wrestling. One of the stipulations for a cage match has always been um, pinfall, submission, or you can escape the cage, either climbing out or going through the door with both feet touching the floor. Well, Gator believes that in a steel cage match, you should not be allowed to escape the cage. It is a stipulation he does not like because, as we mentioned before, Gator has a hard-on for old-school southern wrestling, as he calls it. The territory You call it a hard-on? I think it's a problem. Yeah. He he, he, just You put territory... if he's having problems in the wood ski department with a girl, all he has to do is put on old school Memphis wrestling, and the next thing you know, swing, he's good to go. So, oh, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. It's the truth. Um, and we go through this all the time. Like He hates the concept of escaping the cage because he believes that a cage match should be the end-all, be-all of any feud. And to an extent, he is right. Problem is, that is old school territory indie wrestling mentality. Modern day, like an independent wrestling, which I've, I am a part of. A cage match is the end-all, be-all because in independent wrestling, for budget reasons, you can't go higher than a cage match. No no indie wrestling company has that kind of budget. Unless you got a millionaire backing you. If you got a millionaire backing you, why the fuck are you still an indie, an indie company? That's my question there. But most places don't have that kind of budget. So a cage match is as high as you can go. But today we know you can go higher than a cage match. There's Hell in a Cell. There's Elimination Chamber. There's War Games, which is taking place this coming Saturday. We'll get more into that towards the end of the show. But also, I am of the belief that escaping the cage can be an option, but it should only be an option if you're going to continue the rivalry. If a rivalry is going to continue past the cage, like like after the cage match, you're going to have another match or 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 two or three or whatever. Then and only then you should escape the cage, because then you can continue the rivalry because no one was pinned or submitted. You do a pinfall or submission in a cage, game over. That's how I look at it. Game over. Feud is done. You're not. Going going any higher than this, stop. But if you want to continue the feud, have them escape the cage. That's why I had no objections to Drew McIntyre beating Karrion Cross at Crown Jewel by escaping the cage. Because obviously that rivalry is going to continue. I'm sure after Survivor Series those two are going to fight again. And then have a third rubber match to end it all. So, because this looks like this is the end of this feud as well it should be, I can see why they wouldn't put escaping the cage. But 
Gator thinks it shouldn't, it, it, that shouldn't happen at all. And I believe there are some moments where it's warranted. And even Desmond, because he was here last night, he said that he believes that escaping the cage is a good option for a heel to win, which I thought was a very valid point as well. So while we don't disagree with Gator's theory, we do think there are moments where escaping a cage is warranted. And that's where the debate comes in. So I just wanted to clarify that. Zach, continue your thoughts. Yeah, but otherwise than that, this was fantastic. Good opening match. And then lo and behold, Jungle Boy, not pinned, but me, Luchasaurus, tap out. That was a shocker. Oh, well, holy shit. I was like, okay. Mm, I don't know, though. Danny, your thoughts? Loved it. Love this match. I love this match for a variety of reasons. One, it does something that you don't see often in AEW. It told a fucking story. That is that is the first thing. And this is one of the long-running feuds that AEW has. And this is something that Desmond and I were talking about again. I'm, and I'm obviously going to bring Desmond's name up a lot because he was here watching Full Gear with me. And we were talking about this, and I, and, and it, and it kind of caught my eye. One of AEW's biggest flaws, biggest flaws, is that they are a televised wrestling company that continues to work with an indie mentality. And you can't do that. That's like, it's the equivalent to playing in the pros and thinking you're acting like you're still in college. You're not. This ain't, this ain't, this ain't college ball. You're in pro ball. And notice I said ball, so you can insert whatever sport you want. Football, basketball, baseball, whatever the fuck. College and the pros, whole different fucking level. Mm-hmm. Once you get to the pros, you gotta play like a pro. Leave all your college shit at the door and be a fucking professional. Play like a pro. These guys don't play like pros overall. And another, and this is true, because again, I know this from working in independent re- indie wrestling. And Zach worked a show one time with me, so even he will back me up on this. If you go to a lot of indie shows, you'll notice one thing that you don't see in the independent wrestling, and that is rivalries and feuds. There's not a lot of them. Most independent wrestling companies will work one angle, maybe two. I know when I worked in indie wrestling, the one and only angle we really worked was a feud between Team Fearless and the Extreme Horsemen. That was the only angle we were running at different shows. Other than that, it was wrestlers interchanging all the time. Two guys would wrestle over here, and then you would see two completely different guys wrestle over here. A lot of the matches we had were one-and-done matches. Sometimes we'd have the same two people wrestle each other in different, and they would have the same, they would wrestle in different towns and have the same match in different towns. Why? They were in front of different people, and we weren't on network TV. We were on Fight TV. We still have a few shows on Fight TV. I'll even give the shout-out, even though I don't work for this company anymore and never will again. I'll give the shout-out. Go to Universal Championship Wrestling on Fight TV. You'll see a couple shows, and I'm commentating and ring announcing on a few of them, except for the one that has Jack Swagger on it. Don't watch that, because my voice isn't on that, so don't watch that. But watch the other ones. Watch the other ones. They're actually on my website. Go to VinnyTheBooch.com. You can go to the uh, Movies and Specials section. That's where that is. Just go there. That's a one-stop shop. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. They didn't. They, they would go to the same towns because it was they, they would, so because each town would was seeing that match for the first time. But when you're on network TV, they're seeing you every week. So when you wrestle with an indie mentality, you're basically saying, "Look, I've seen one of your matches. I've seen them all. I've seen everything you've had to give. I've seen everything you've had to do. There, there's nothing you're doing that's impressing me." I saw this exact same match la- last month, or I saw this exact same match last week. And there, there's not a lot of rivalries because they're just bringing out different people every week. It's like, okay, these two guys are going to fight. Oh, those are going to be a feud. Uh, who are they fighting next week? Somebody else. They're just inter- trying to interchange everybody. What you need to do is you need to have rivalries. You need to have feuds that are ongoing and where we can see these guys wrestle multiple matches. Because I know a lot of fans on the internet are like, I'm tired of seeing the same guys fight all the time. Well, that's how you build a feud, jackass. Watch the Attitude Era. I had a nickel for 
remember every time The Rock and Triple H wrestle each other in the Attitude Era, I could buy out AEW and get rid of everybody that I don't want in there. I could buy the company from Tony Khan with the amount of times The Rock and Triple H fight each other on pay-per-view. You'd be hard-pressed to find a match in the Attitude Era on pay-per-view that didn't involve The Rock and Triple H fighting each other in some capacity. And yet, people think it's a popular rivalry. Why is it a popular rivalry? Because they kept fucking fighting each other until it was done and they couldn't do it no more. That's why they had different stipulations and gimmicks to keep the feud going. So, and again, Christian is injured. So we have to have Jack Perry versus Luchasaurus. And again phenomenal cage match. Why? You had Luchasaurus beating the shit out of Jungle Boy, but not only that, Jungle Boy has improved so goddamn much. He is ready to be a top guy. He was kicking ass in this match. When it was time for him to make his comeback, he made his comeback. The fact that he was bleeding, it helped. This is one of the moments where blood was helpful in a match. It was warranted. The elbow drop through the table, that was probably my only complaint about this match was the fact they brought in a table. The table wasn't needed. No, it wasn't. The chairs weren't needed. Mm -hmm. Okay? You're putting a hat on a hat. This is fucking... We, I'm tired of everybody feeling the need to bring out tables. Also, good rule of thumb, and I've talked about this before on the show. If I have... Or, or I at least did it on the male soap opera moment. If I haven't done it here, then here's my first time saying it. The heels should never grab the tables. And I'm gonna tell you why. We live in an era where a lot of marks are in the crowd. And sadly, in the locker room. And one of the things they always chant at shows is, We want tables. You hear it every fucking match. So the second a table gets pulled out from under the ring, the crowd starts jizzing all over themselves. Like, they have they have clam chowder in their pants at this point. And because they're in New Jersey, it's Manhattan style. So, you it, that's why that should be reserved for the baby faces. The baby faces can get the pop. Because, again, these were actual wrestlers who were trained properly and respected the business. They would know those type... If someone, if the crowd is popping for something, give that to the babyface. If the crowd is hating on something, give that to the heel. Because the heel is supposed to get the heat. If you're a heel and people are cheering you, you're not doing your job right. And if you were properly trained, you would know that. So, that needs to be a key thing. And the only... Ex there's only one exception to this rule. One exception. The Dudley Boys. They are allowed to grab a table anytime they damn well please. Whether they're heel, babyface, anti-hero, tweeners, whatever the fuck. That's only because that's their shtick. The Dudley boys are known for the tables. So they can grab tables regardless of who they are. Other than that, it should be a strictly babyface move. And reserved for when you really need it. So, that was the only thing I didn't like about the match was the table. That was the only thing I thought was unnecessary. And I like that Luchasaurus did an elbow drop. He kept it simple. He didn't try to do a, a 720 with a half twist. He didn't try to do a, a spiral. He didn't do any stupid shit. Just drop the elbow. Keep it simple, stupid. Not that Jack is stupid, that's just the initial. And then, he locks in the snare trap. Luchasaurus taps out. Dez was not a particular fan of that, but I liked it because, here's why I like the tap out. Because we've had so many matches where, some, where people would get locked in chokeholds and they would just pass out that it's been overdone. Which is another mistake that AEW makes. They take something and overdo it to where it's not special anymore. If someone's gonna fade out or pass out, it's should be reserved for high profile feuds where a heel can get a victory over the babyface as the babyface is trying to win. That's what you do. That way the babyface is showing I didn't give up and I used my grit to try and survive but I just couldn't hold on. But when you do that every fucking match it kills the luster. So I love seeing a tap out. Finally somebody taps out. Someone's not afraid to really put somebody over. And this Jungle Boy, if he didn't have my respect before, he sure as shit does now. 
now. So now the big question is, when is Christian finally going to be medically cleared? And can we see this come to an end at Revolution? Because you cannot put this on free TV. This is one of the few good feuds this company actually has right now. So hopefully we see that at Revolution. Awesome steel cage match. One of the top best matches of the night. Very, very true, sir. Very, very true, sir. All right. Yep. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on. And I'm going to be brutally honest right now. Zach didn't see this match, which is good because I pretty much told him not to. I'm only going to say a handful of things, and I'm going to move on. This ain't going to take long. Um, This, of course, is a trios title match. And it was every bit the shit show I thought it was going to be. I was disgusted with the fact that the elite used uh, Wayward Son as their entrance. I was disgusted by the fans. And I was disgusted that these three guys are allowed to just walk back into this company. Uh, this this is gonna this is this is disgusting to me, and I just can't believe it. This is just, I was disgusted. I was. It was a trios match. Lazy booking. The same shit they do all the time. Nothing about this match was impressive. And the fact that I heard an entire arena chant "Fuck CM Punk" just shows that how flaky the AEW fans really are. And it's a reminder to me why I believe this company is going out of business. It's the term WCW. The term ECW. They are they are going the route of. WCW and I promise you this if they don't go out of business they're gonna be where Impact Wrestling is right now in obscurity and I'm not hating on Impact Wrestling because I have friends who work there and you know overall they do put on great matches and great shows but at one point they were the competition to WWE but because of horrible management they went down the fuck they eventually went down the fucking tubes and they had someone with a lot of money backing them Dixie Carter but Dixie Carter didn't know shit about wrestling neither does Tony Khan and the fact that people will just blindly follow this company just so they can have an alternative to WWE is goddamn ridiculous. It's the one thing that I find the most disgusting. People are like, you know, we gotta keep AEW going so wrestlers can have a place to go and, you know, be able to use leverage to, you know, get paid properly or eat properly or all that. No. That's the thing that bothers me the most about fans and about this company. Or even when people give shit about how CM Punk conducted himself. That, oh, we should, they should just keep everything behind closed doors or keep his mouth shut or not bring anything up. It's like, you want people to present a united front on camera to follow a lie that these three pathetic excuses from human beings told. An investigation that's the biggest sham in wrestling just so AEW can look good? Fuck that. I don't, look, as I said before, I'll say it again. I don't want AEW to fail, but I can see the writing on the wall. And I said it before and I'll say it again. I call bullshit where I see it. I am not going to kiss up to this fucking company just so wrestlers can have another place to work. If you want me to say positive things about your company, A, do positive things, B, put on matches that make fucking sense, and three, don't put immature children in charge of your company. These three guys, as Punk said before, couldn't fucking manage a target. And yeah, it's a funny line, but it's also a fucking fact. That these guys, this is a disorganized fucking company that doesn't pick proper people to be executives. That's why WWE is winning. When WWE picks people to be in executive roles, it's because they have experience working in executive roles, whether it's in the wrestling business or for other companies. Big Fortune 500 companies. They pick people that were executives for TV companies or like retail companies or sports teams. But they have people who know know how to be executives. It's not like, oh, who's the executive over here? Oh, it's this wrestler's girlfriend or 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 the janitor's sister or
or fucking this guy um pulled it. Oh, this guy's wife uh did did a computer thing years ago, so I put her in charge of this. Like that's how disorganized this company is. That's why people like Cornette call it all friends wrestling because they hire their friends to do jobs, none of which they're qualified to do. None of them are qualified for the executive roles they're in. One of the few people that has an executive role that's even remotely qualified is Jeff Jarrett. Why? Because his family has promoted wrestling in Memphis for decades. Jeff Jarrett ran TNA. People can say however they want about how he ran that company, but the point is he has experience in running a company. He has experience in finding venues, and he knows how to book. If Jeff Jarrett was a booker, I think this company would be ten times better, because Tony don't know how to book. Don't you sit there and pretend that he does. But yeah, I was disgusted with everything. The only thing on this match that was great was the fact that Ray Phoenix whacked Kenny with the hammer, got the one, two, three, and they were able to retain the title, and that's because I didn't expect them to retain. I thought the Elite was going to take their belts back, and that was going to be the end of this, but instead they're making this a best of seven series, and let me tell you something right now. We ain't watching the best of seven. No, we are not. Don't expect me to talk about it. Don't expect me to mention it. I'm not talking about these three anymore. I'm done. I'm done with them. I'm done. I made that clear. I'm done. I want nothing to do with the Elite or anything they're doing. And again, do I want this company to fail? No. But if they do, they deserve it. Because they've made it clear they'd rather make friends than make money. They don't want to grow as a company. They want to stay exactly where they are. And guess what? That might be fine for the gymnastic brigade, but it's going to be a problem when it's time to renew your contract with, T- with TBS. Because if you ain't growing, they ain't showing. So one more time, fuck the elite and fuck every fan in the stands that chanted fuck CM Punk. You're ungrateful and this company doesn't deserve to thrive. On that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, which was surprisingly better than that one. Mm-hmm. The TBS Championship. Jay Cargill with the baddies defends the title against the native beast, Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero and Marina Schaefer. To tell you the truth, Jay Cargill pressed the living shit out of me this match. And so did Nyla Rose. These two women beat the shit out of each other. It was a good match because it wasn't the spot monkey bullshit, even though that title is useless. But I thought this right here was actually good. And surprisingly, and when the Nyla Rose came out there with Vicky Guerrero in the car, I was like, all right, she's just Vicky Guerrero showing tribute to Eddie. I was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. And otherwise than that, JKR hit, hit the jaded and winner and still TBS champion and still undefeated to 42-0. and JKR Hill. Vinny, your thoughts? This was not bad. great. Uh, it it's was. There were times where it got a little awkward, but not enough to where I hated it. And I think the reason is because both these, wi- both, both, both these women, and I'm being generous with that, um, <laughs> are not used to wrestling people their own size because there's not a lot of big girls in the company. Jay Cargill is used to working with smaller people. Nyla is used to working with smaller people. So I think they had to, um, they weren't used to that. So there were times where things in the match got a little wonky, but they were able to work around it. And also, I love seeing Jay Cargill just like a Thundercat. Did anybody notice that? Yeah, I did not notice that. But when she pulled up to the night dance, like, wait a minute. I was like, that looks familiar. And I saw on Facebook and Twitter. She just, I just, she looked like a Thundercat. I was like, oh, yeah. Desmond had to explain it to me. I thought it was some, I thought it was some, I thought because, um, the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie came out. I thought that was a Wakanda character. Oh, thank God you had Desmond there. Yeah, he, he explained Thundercat because I'm thinking, because I know in the last pay-per-view, she came out as She-Hulk. So, mm-hmm. because She-Hulk had just come out on Disney+. Plus. So I'm thinking, okay, what's going on with the Thundercats that's recent that made her want to do that? It turns out she just likes Thundercats. 
Nothing wrong with that. Oh. Thundercats. Ho! Oh. And there were a couple hoes in a corner. Oh. But, um, also, did anybody notice what Vicky was wearing? I tried to avoid. <laughs> Ah, uh, don't be hate. Uh, she was <laughs> she was wearing a I'm your poppy t-shirt. Oh. An Eddie Guerrero shirt. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure it's a WWE shirt. Can she legally wear that on TV? Turns out she can. As long but as long as they don't sell the t-shirts at the merch stand or on T or on their website, it's fine. That's still a WWE yeah, it's, shirt. It's, it's Eddie Guerrero. Doesn't that matter what company? Every single wrestling company always brings that he reminds me of Eddie Guerrero. Like people, especially the last thing they always do that my cheese will move in the Fox Flash, and that's used uh, well, in Lichador. Well, they and don't have a trademark match. on that. I'm talking about the T, but a t that T-shirt is WWE property. It was made yeah, by WWE, but turns out she can wear the shirt. Just can't. They just can't sell it. But WWE mm -hmm. might send a cease and desist letter, but I don't think Triple H would do that because it's Eddie's um, wife, and Triple H is not that petty. Vince is that petty. Yeah. Triple H is not. So I just didn't know if legally she could wear that on TV or on pay-per-view. Like, wait a minute, is that legal? And I found out later it is. Like, they just can't, <laughs> but they... If they sell at the merch stand, WWE can come after them legally because that is a WWE trademarked T-shirt. So I was like, okay, didn't want them to get in any trouble. But yeah, this is a great match. Both both women did very well. It's definitely one of the it's definitely one of the best matches. It's not it's not one of the best matches I've seen Jay Cargill have because she's had a few good ones despite Zach not like not liking her at the time. But uh. it's definitely the best match that Nyla Rose has had. This was this was the best match that Nyla Rose has had in, in this company. So far, the only other good matches she had were with Sheeta, and even those were kind of meh. This is one of the best. This is the best match Nyla Rose has had in her career. Cause she had somebody she could finally work with. Cause you know you got Jay Cargill. Cause Jay Cargill is kind of built like a dude, and Nyla is uh, that fucking she's a dude. Uh, anyway, we're gonna move on now to the next match of the evening. Um, we got for the Ring of Honor World Championship, the Ocho Chris Jericho defends the title against the American Dragon Brian Danielson, the Spanish Spot Monkey Sammy Guevara, and Claudio. Castanoli. It started off as a tag team match, did it not? Very much so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back and forth, all four of these gentlemen knew what was going to happen. This is every man for himself, and finally we got to the point my favorite part is when Claudio and Dan Barrow was holding hands, basically look at the crowd, look at each other, and start doing European uppercuts. One, two, three, four, five, and they beat the living shit. It was all of all actually a pretty good match for, uh, for a four-way whatever it is. It's just a normal match. And what I like is how uh, uh, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara finally turned on each other. It was actually really, really good for a second there. I thought Chris Jericho was going to lose, but he yeah. but ends up he did it. It's a juice effect on, on Claudio. One, two, three, still Frank Gavano, world champion, Chris Jericho, and rightfully so. I didn't see him lose title. Nah, not yet. But otherwise, not every else did great. The Spanish Fob probably did not. I hate his tongue. I want to rip it out and shove ass. Any your thoughts, sir? I liked it. Very well done, Fatal you. Four Way. Um, I knew at some point Claudio and Danielson were gonna fight. What I was not expecting was Jericho and Sammy to fight. When uh, when Jericho um was going for a cover, Sammy finally pulls Jericho off. They break up the pin and then gets in his face yes. and then he like and then him and Sammy just start trading blows and I'm like, holy shit, this just got ten times better. And then later. On the match, Sammy hugs Jericho, hits him with the GTH. I thought that, mm -hmm. and, and I thought that was it. I was like, "Oh damn, Jericho!" You saw the frustration on on Sammy's face too. Yeah, I literally, I literally thought for a split second Sammy was about to win the Ring of Honor title, but then mm. he did the spot monkey shit. Which again, this is why I hate this style of wrestling. You had you hit your finishing move. You've got him right there. Fucking pin him. But no, I can't do that because I need to do my tricks for the crowd. So I'm gonna. 
climb up, hit his shooting star press, and Jericho kicks out. Why? Because Sammy's retarded. This is why I fucking hate spot monkey wrestling and why I hate wrestlers that do this style of wrestling because it makes the business look fake because in a real fight if you got somebody down you keep the fucker down you don't let up fucking pin him I would rather see one two Jericho kicks out that would have been a ten times better spot than watching Sammy go oh I'm not gonna pin him after I hit my finish Fucking idiot. This is retarded. That's why Sammy was a buzzkill for this entire fucking match. Nothing he did in that ring was believable. And then, of course, Jericho hits the Judas effect, gets the one, two, three, and then we find out later on that um, Jericho is not mad at Sammy for putting up a fight. He's saying, you know, Sammy was being a competitor. He's definitely going to be a future world champion, but now's not his time because I'm still the Ocho. And then he ends up um, being confronted by Pockets and Danhausen and Pockets basically tells him to face this guy, Ishii, and they're going to fight for the Ring of Honor title on Dynamite. I, I don't, give a don't shit. care. Don't care. Don't give a shit. And then, okay, go ahead. And then we find out that Pockets is going to defend the, the Atlantic Championship against Jake Hager. And and if Hager doesn't win, that's another reason for me to hate this company. All right. Um, we're going to move on now to the next match of the evening. We got Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Versus Soraya. Fantastic. Another really good match. You two ladies the shit out of each other. Uh, Red had a doctor. Doctor had a lot of moves. Sierra Cage had a lot of moves. And there was there was kick bumps. They stayed off the top rope. It was actually a pretty good one. It wasn't the spot monkey bullshit. And then, did you notice there was a lot of false finishers in this match? Several. Okay. That also, I was like, one, two, three, four. Roll up, roll up, roll up, roll up. Okay, come on, ladies. And all of a sudden, the beautiful page hits a rampage. One, two, three. Cage, I can't say her last name, wins her debut match in ABW, and rightfully so. At least it wasn't not a squash. It was actually really good. I was impressed with both ladies. Manny, your thoughts? She needed this win. She did. Soraya needed this. Britt didn't. Soraya's been gone for five years, and they're establishing her as a top girl in the company, as well they should, because she has something the other women, most of the other women don't have, which is credibility. That And simple as that. Yeah, I, I, that's true. So, she needed this win. This was an amazing fucking match. It was. A match that even Gator would have no choice but to be impressed with. As stubborn as that motherfucker is, yeah. even he would have to bow down to how great this match was. And what I love most about it was Soraya countering the lockjaw. Very true. And I liked the way she countered it. You know, roll, you know, rolling up and then um, uh, Britt having to turn into a crucifix ping for a kick out. Like, that was a good move there because every time Britt has locked in that lockjaw, the other person has tapped out. So to see somebody not tap out to it is great. But also, they've counted it in such a way, it doesn't bury the submission. Like, she didn't fight out, she didn't break free, she had to go for a pin and force Britt to break it, because if she didn't break that hold, one, two, three, she's done. So I thought that was very well done. Escaping after the roll-up was great. That was a great spot. And there were times where when Soraya hit the mat, she was grabbing the back of her neck, and you're sitting there going, oh god, is she selling or did this go really bad? Because that's a scary thought when people have neck injuries you know and that's why you know in some cases if somebody has a career threatening neck injury WWE sometimes can be hesitant to put people like that back in the ring because they don't want the bad publicity if that person gets hurt and some people out there might go well they're wrestlers they're taking their chances yeah but people still want to blame management when wrestlers get injured because they might go why would you even put them back in the ring because uh, you fuckers asked me to put him back in the ring because y'all wouldn't shut the fuck up 
And you called me a terrible person for having someone with a neck injury sitting on the sidelines doing ambassador shit. You begged and pleaded and cried to put this person back in the ring. CM Punk. And then I finally put him back in the ring. And now you're whiny little bitches because the injury I predicted was going to come back came back. See why people don't respect wrestling fans? No, they don't. This is why. Because y'all ask for something, then you get it, and then you don't want it anymore, and you wasted a fucking time. So, anyway, Soraya, thank God, wasn't injured. So, overall, like I said, fantastic, like we said, fantastic match. These ladies brought the fight. The right person won. Because Brits won enough matches for one lifetime. You want to give her a solid victory? Make it the TBS champion, because I don't know who the fuck else can go for that belt at this point. But, anyway, again, stellar match. Soraya hitting the Rampage twice for the win. I thought was great. That also helped Britt Baker. It's like, okay, I hit two to make sure she stays down. Brilliant move. So, well done match. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the TNT Championship. Wardlow defends the title against Samoa Joe and Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, this was kind of boring to me because there's three big-ass dudes in there and Wardlow doing the spot monkey bullshit I did not like at all. But otherwise, man, it was okay. It was just Vikings and something you see from Game of Thrones type of shit. And what I did not suspect was Samoa Joe to become a double champion. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, um, okay. This right here, I did not enjoy, really. I thought this was boring as shit, to tell you the truth. I was like, okay, okay, come on. This doesn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Done, 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 done. Vinny, your thoughts? I enjoyed this match very much. Mm. I thought, I liked the fact that Joe choked out Hobbs to win the title. Because Wardlow was not involved in the decision. So it doesn't hurt him, and it gives him and Joe more of a reason to start feuding with one another. And also, it pretty much powerhouse Hobbs um, established after, pretty much established after that match after looking at Wardlow like, yeah, I'm done with you. You got nothing I want. Now I'm turning my attention to Joe. He's got everything I want. And I still feel like Joe and Wardlow turning on each other was unnecessary. But this was a good match. And normally I would agree with Zach that I did not like the spot monkey moves that Wardlow was doing. However, the reason I'm not too upset about it is because when he did those moves, they were done in a believable way. For example, when he came off the top rope, I believe it was. Not for the swan time, but he did like that that, that move where he came up and then did like a Jeff Hardy like flip off the top rope. While it was happening, Joe and Hobbs were fighting each other. And that's when Wardlow came crashing down. Then when he was on the turnbuckle and damn near lost his balance, which is why he shouldn't do this again, he hit the swan time. Joe was on the ground. So even though Wardlow only did two spot monkey moves, they were done in a believable way, which ironically the spot monkeys don't do. Because when they go up top or they're diving out, the person sitting there going, I'll catch you! That's why I hate it. They at least did it in a believable way. Two guys fighting, they don't see the guy coming down, boom, they get hit. That's at least realistic. So that's why it didn't bother me. Wardlow did it in a realistic way, which 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 makes the spot monkeys look even worse. So that's why I, I give Wardlow a pass. I don't want to see him do it ever again, but for this night, I give him a pass. And if the spot monkeys want to pass, start doing it in a believable way, jackasses. You're useless. <laughs> so, either way, great match. Solid. Um, this was actually a big Hoss fight, which I enjoyed. Nice to see. And in the end, Joe is now a double champion. So, it's hard to complain. Samoa Joe looks good right now. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We got some tag team action. We have Sting and Emo Knievel, Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal with Sanjay Dutt. And J double F J A double R E double T Jeff Jarrett. This right here was actually really, really good. Even though it was one thing gigantic fucking 
mess. People are over there, people are over there, Carly 2.0 getting involved and everything else. But this right here was really, really good. What I thought was funny as shit is when um, Jeff Jarrett hit Darby Allen with the guitar when he tried to do that bullshit coffin drop. What do you think about that? I saw that from a mile away. So it's a whack. I'm like, you fucking it. But this right here was really, really good. Stane put up a good fight for his age, jumping off that high thing where he was at in the middle of the crowd. Um, Sting and Jeff Jarrett getting in the ring each other was fantastic. I had flashbacks. I assume you did too. Darby Allen doing his typical fucking death dying bullshit. But otherwise, what I did not suspect was uh, Sting and Darby Allen win. So, with that being said, Vinny, your thoughts? Oh, God. May God have mercy on ourselves. Yeah. Every time I see Darby Allen in a ring, I'm reminded of why I hate him. This is one of the rare moments where of the night, not in general, but of the night where Dez and I were in heavy debate. He sees talent Darby Allen. I know. Because he's into this kind of shit. But I thought everything Darby Allen did in this match was fucking stupid. There was not one intelligent move that Darby Allen did. Nothing about what there's not a single thing Darby Allen did in this match that I found impressive. Nothing. He was completely fucking useless in this match. They brought out a ladder that wasn't necessary. He did a coffin drop off that ladder because he was dumb enough to think, I'm going to knock this tall Kali 2.0 looking person, as Zach put it, off the ground. You stupid motherfucker. You got to be a special kind of retarded to think that you, with the physique of a stem cell, looking like Beavis on meth, <laughs> is going to dive off a fucking ladder and knock over a guy who's practically seven foot tall and built like a brick shit house. Again, this is one of those moments where it's like, you're literally telling him to catch you because again, your arms are folded. You're, I said what I was saying again, this motherfucker's going to kill himself and I don't think it's impressive. It's one thing to put your body on the line. It's another thing to put your body on the line in an incredibly retarded way and that's what Darby Allen does. People who are fans of his are the same people who watch NASCAR to see a car crash into the wall and set on fire. Or the same people that look at car accidents on the side of the road. Darby Allen's not a wrestler. He's a human train wreck. And he's the saddest thing about this match. We saw Sting and Jarrett wrestle, which brought us back to fucking normal. Jay Lethal, as talented as he is, trying to get something out of this emo Knievel looking motherfucker. In fact, the only coffin drops this match that meant a damn was the one where, where Sting was going for the Scorpion Death Drop. And Darby hit the coffin drop to help with the death drop. That worked. That was believable. And then after uh, Lethal goes for the lethal injection, Sting counters it with a scorpion death drop. That looked a little sloppy, but I can understand why. Because it's hard to time something like that. And then Darby hit the coffin drop there. Well, that made sense because Jade's already fucking laying there. One, two, three. Pretty much. This was... This was too reckless of a match. As soon as all of a sudden, sloppy. out of nowhere, they make the match no disqualification. As soon as you hear that, there's two thoughts that go through your mind whenever there's no disqualification in a Darby Allen match mm. unnecessary bullshit and lazy booking. Lazy booking. Okay. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the AEW Interim Women's World Championship. That ass, Tony Storm, defends the title against Jamie Hayter. Another really good match between two brilliant women because they stayed off the top rope. But the one problem was there's too many disqualifications. And once again, another match had too many false, too many false finishes. Am I right or am I wrong? They overdid it a little. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really, really good. I mean, that but to pull Tony Storm was gained up upon. Everybody teamed up on her, and all of a sudden, one, two, three, Jamie Hader is now your new women's world champion. And rightfully so. I think it's kind of grown still with Tony Storm. But she did a good job defending it and representing it, though. But 
Jamie Hayter's now the champion, and the question is, is she going to be able to hold on or are we going to have to see another Britt Baker title ring? Well, that's that's the big thing because, you know, is Britt going to be one of those people that's like, okay, you won the title, now you're going to lay down for me, like Triple H did with Randy Orton or a few other people have done in the past. Sometimes people will often do that where they'll say, hey, you know, hand me the belt or lay down for me or whatever. And that's when the person's got to make the decision. Do I do I lay down for the boss or do I say, fuck you, I'm keeping this belt? That's going to be the uh, the uh, billion dollar question. Overall, I enjoyed this match very much. Both these women brought the fight. There was no botches of any kind. There was no sloppiness of any kind. These women know how to work and know how to fight. My only complaint is I didn't feel like Tony needed to lose this match. I'll tell you why. Because I don't know how long Thunder Rosa's out of action, but I'm assuming she's going to be gone longer than expected if Jamie Hayter is winning the title. There have been rumors going around the dirt sheets and the internet that they might be stripping Thunder Rosa of the title and taking interim off that championship. There is talk of that. I don't know how true those rumors are, but if Thunder Rosa is still the women's champion, and if there are any plans for Thunder Rosa to make a comeback and defend that title, and unify them the way we've done with the world the way we did with the world title then Tony Storm should still be the champion because she should be the one to go one-on-one with Thunder Rosa to unify the titles and have one champion no disrespect to Jamie Hayter but there's more of a story to tell with Tony and Rosa so if Thunder Rosa's coming back then having Tony drop the title was a bad decision if Thunder Rosa is never coming back then I'm okay with this because clearly that crowd went nuts for Jamie Hayter um I felt the Interference was unnecessary, and I think the interference is what killed the whole thing. But, you know, fans don't care as long as their favorite wins. But anyway, on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the AEW Tag Team Titles. The Acclaim defend the titles against Swerve in Our Glory. Okay, uh, the Acclaim came out there, acted like a tag team. Swerve in Our Glory did not. They could not get along in the ring. But otherwise than that, it was actually a pretty good tag team title match. Anthony Bowens, um, Max Caster came in out rapping, said a lot of funny things that made me chuckle. Uh, Anthony Bowens uh, came out there with a short shoulder, and everything else was going great until Forrest Strickland started being a cocky motherfucker, and Keith Lee was trying to communicate with him. He would communicate with Keith Lee, and then something happened. Keith Lee left the ring. The claim hit their finish through. One, two, three. They're the tag team champions, and rightfully fucking so, the acclaim. Vinny, your thoughts? Great stellar tag team match. This was tag team wrestling done right. Um, Love the storytelling in this. Uh, Swerve wanting to cheat. Keith Lee not wanting to win that way. And you saw the um, confliction, conflicting um, interests going on throughout the entire match. Um, The acclaimed, of course, have amazing chemistry. Um, Then towards the end, um, for some reason, Swerve wanted to use a pair of pliers in the match, which makes no fucking sense. And then, of course, um, Billy Gunn comes out to make the save. I refuse to call him Daddy Ass. Um, Billy Gunn makes a save. I mean, I might say Daddy Ass Billy Gunn, but I can't say Daddy Ass by himself. That's, no, that's 
weird. Um, I thought it was the, the pliers make no fucking sense. I didn't understand that either. Like, why does he have why, pliers? Why are we doing this in the middle of a title match? Now, if you win the titles, because Keith Lee decides to go heel, and after the match, you want to do something like that, okay. But you don't need to do that in the middle of a fucking match. And then, of course, he tries to hand the pliers to Keith Lee. Keith Lee throws him down, so he doesn't want to win that way. Swerve slaps Keith. Keith then picks up Bowens, pats him on the shoulder, and walks out on the match. And then, they then hit Swerve with their, with uh, not their finish, but some weird combo move. Bowens pins him one, two, three. The winners and still the tag team champions. The acclaimed. And now we know for sure this rivalry is over. Thank God it's fucking over. I don't know where the acclaimed is going to next, but I will say this. If they finally lock up with FTR, it's time for Acclaim to drop the gold. I said I agree with you, sir. Okay. Yeah, I just, it was just, it was a good tag team, but Swerve and Glory could get the heads out of their ass. Swerve stick with particularly. That's all I have to say. Go ahead. Yeah. So now we're going to see where this goes. Like, are Swerve and Keith Lee about to have a feud? I think they are. Um, I'm going to enjoy that. And then we'll see where the Acclaim goes next. Like I said, if they face another tag team, uh, a different tag team, then by all means, let them keep the belts. But if they fight FT, FTR needs it more. On that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the AEW World Championship. John Moxley with William Regal defends the title against MJF. Loved it. Stellar freaking match. I mean, they started off uh, messing with each other and everything else, and then, but I liked when MJF uh, did a little of that strep from Ric Flair, and then they get out to the outside ring. Mox, uh, I'm actually, uh, MJF spaced something on uh, Moxley's face, hit him a couple times, got slammed to the, uh, got slammed to the steps. And back and forth, back and forth. Uh, what scared me was when MJF uh, did a pile drive on the side of the apron and hurt his knee. You could definitely hear him screaming. Otherwise, and then Moxley pile drived uh, MJF to a table. MJF barely made it by one second. He sold that very, very well. And back and forth, these two beat the shit out of each other. And no one bled. Thank you, Jesus. Moxley, hater. And otherwise, not, it was great. It was brutal and mean. And um, MGF wanted to hit him with, uh, wanted to hit Moxley with the peaky ring. Now, this is where it gets interesting there, folks. Very interesting because I didn't expect this to happen. Desmond didn't expect this to happen. And they didn't expect it to happen. He was, uh, MGF was about to use his diamond, diamond as peaky ring. MGF, don't you, uh, uh, and uh, William Rue comes out, don't you do it. Don't you freaking do it. And MGF flicked them off. Shot him how he got, uh, Moxley got uh, tossed MGF to the ropes and all. Son of William Regal, the Regal, passed a pair of brass knuckles to MJF. MJF sucked him one good time. Went over to pin him. He had he put his middle figure down, says fuck you to the crowd. I don't know why. He was getting cheered. Uh, Max, uh, MJF was getting cheered. Moxley was getting pooped. One, two, three. And the new AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Maxwell, Jake Freeman. And rightfully fucking so. It was a great finish. Weird finish. But it was total roof off of the fucking house. Denny, your thoughts. Did you expect that to happen? whatsoever not at all the second William <laughs> Regal slid the brass knucks to MJF Desmond and I our jaws were on the fucking floor I was sitting there going what the fuck Desmond couldn't move <laughs> he was in a state of fucking shock he didn't speak until the three count but the second Regal slid the brass knucks to MJF
AF, it was like, what the fuck? And, of course, Desmond brought it, brings up an interesting point when MJF won the match. You're sitting there thinking, he just cheated to win. But MJF said he wasn't going to use the diamond ring. And if you notice... He didn't use the diamond ring. He didn't use the ring, did he? Nope. But he also said... He said, he said gonna, cheated. He, yeah, he also said, I'm going to earn it. So I'm going to be intrigued to see how that plays out on Dynamite. But, of course, the crowd is cheering because even though MJF is clearly turning heel or staying heel, which I'm not happy with, um, the crowd was just happy to see MJF win because again they're marks they're the type of people you can call them a piece of shit all day long they're just happy you won the belt because they're marks which is why they are they are a, a major contributor to the death of the wrestling business but mm-hmm. but yeah because that should have got a boo because mjf is clearly saying i was good i'm gonna earn it i'm gonna do it the right way and he didn't which that's the only thing where i'm kind of like eh. i like the i like the the regal helping mjf that's what's making this interesting for me but at the same time i feel like why are they keeping MJF a heel? He's too over. Like, he's too loved to stay a bad guy. That's the problem. When you're too loved, when the fans are heavily into you, you can't stay a heel. Because then you reach a point where it's impossible for you to get heat. Or you have to resort to crossing lines that you shouldn't cross to get the heat. That's why you see so much controversial shit in wrestling. Because you're forcing the heels to dig down deep to get their heat to get you to boo because most fans don't give heel heat they give fuck you heat so I'm not particularly happy that MJF's a heel but because of how it went down it at least has my attention like okay I'm ready to tune in to Dynamite to see where this goes and I don't say that often I'm not always happy or excited to watch Dynamite this week I am I actually want to watch this this week just to see what MJF and William Regal are going to say because what does this mean is MJF in the Blackpool Combat Club? Is John Moxley getting kicked out of the Combat Club? Did William Regal say fuck you and leave the Combat Club? How does this go? Because he just fucked Moxley. <laughs> and MJF... Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And MJF still has unfinished business with the firm, especially if Ethan Page beats Ricky Starks on Dynamite. So I don't know where the fuck this is going to go. I really don't. But that was the only negative I saw in this match. As far as the overall match goes, fucking phenomenal. Stellar main event. Both men delivered. And actually, no, let me put out one more thing I had an issue with. Mm. I don't know if that knee injury that MJF got from the tombstone on the ring apron was kayfabe or a legit injury. But it was a stupid spot that didn't need to be done. MJF is so talented, he doesn't need to do stupid spots like that. We sure as hell didn't need a pile driver through the table, even though it was a good spot and nobody got fucking hurt, thank God. But with as many injuries as AEW has now, you shouldn't take risks like that when you're going for the world title or and especially if you know when you head out to the ring that you're going over and you're going to be the champion. The only advantage is MJF rarely ever wrestles anyway. He's got such a loud mouth that if God forbid this knee injury is real, he can still come out on TV and talk shit until his knee heals up. But even then, he shouldn't take stupid risks like that because he doesn't fucking need to. He's MJF. He's a talented wrestler. He doesn't have to sink himself to Moxley's level and do Moxley's version of garbage wrestling to get over. Moxley has to do that to get over because he's backed himself into a bullshit deathmatch corner. MJF hasn't, so... Hopefully he never will. But, like I said, aside from those things, amazing fucking match. It delivered. Moxley delivered. MJF delivered. It had you on the edge of your seats. MJF showing he's just as bad badass is Moxley. Perfect. 
that was pretty much it. Yep, that's pretty much it there, folks. And we're actually impressed with this pay-per-view. Yes. I really, really was. I was too. This was actually better than most of the dynamites we've been watching. And that ladies and gentlemen will wrap up this recap of AEW Full Gear 2022. Doc is always thank you for taking time, everybody's gonna join us, and uh we'll see you on the next one. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to actually uh watching uh Wednesday night diamond dynamite. Yeah, yes. it's gonna be very, very interesting. Absolutely. Very, 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 very interesting. Yes. So uh uh, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We're on Anchor, Anchor, Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you check out our recap of uh, WWE Crown Jewel from the male soap opera moment. Also, later this week, Wednes and I will be putting out our predictions for WWE Survivor Series. All that will be coming to the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified. The future content will be posted. We'll have episodes of uh, Dark Side of the 90s coming up there soon once I find the time to uh, edit the ones we already got. We got 10 in the can. We got 10 more coming your way. And we find the time to uh, record whenever that may be. But just know the videos will be coming soon. Also, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be this Saturday night at... 8 p.m. for the WWE Survivor Series. That's right. We're going to be getting together for the Survivor Series. It's already shaping up to be a hell of a great card as for the first time on the main roster, WWE presents War Games. So, we're going to... Right now, the women's uh, War Games is set up. There's still one more participant left. Who knows? Maybe tonight on Monday Night Raw, we might find out who that last participant will be. Uh, Because unless they want to save it as a special surprise for the pay-per-view. But either way, Hopefully, we'll find out who's the fifth member of Bianca Belair's team so we can get that sorted out. Obviously, the men's war games, that's already set up. Uh, The Bloodline and the Brawling Brutes with special guests. Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. So that's going to be the war games for the men as well as other crazy matches on the card that we'll talk more about uh, on the next few episodes that are going to drop. Also, uh, we got our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. Also, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have the first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. Our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since all the Peacock. I gotta put that $9.99, say $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content in the network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans, are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You get the option to pay with a credit card or with GPay. Now, the best part is all the money that we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor fm slash the bootscast slash support is how you make that happen and then if there's any 
any money left over. When it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed uh, Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid and dust the cobwebs off the shillelagh. Until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, Booch, baby. baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we...